Hello, and welcome to episode 534 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Ad Levitan. One of America's great gambling events is upon us. It is, of course, March Madness season, aka bracket season. And although we don't cover college basketball here at ETR, we are unhealthily obsessed with peer-to-peer gambling games and the micro-slash-macro strategy around those games. So here we are to discuss March Madness. I am joined by two sharps in the college basketball space, Jason Lisk of TeamRankings.com, of Pool Genius, and our own Jack Miller, a closet college basketball freak. Jason, how's it going? Welcome back to the show. It's going great. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to be back with you. Jack, how's it going today? Going well. Um, This is probably my favorite week of the year, so pumped to be on talking with you guys again. Before we get into it here, want to let everyone know you can get a March Madness package on Pool Genius by going to poolgenius.com slash ETR. Head there if you want more sophisticated help with your bracket. That's poolgenius.com slash ETR. That's Jason's uh, content, and they will go ahead and give you some pretty big discounts, anywhere from 10 to 55% off by using that code because they love us here at ETR. That's poolgenius.com slash ETR. All right. Let's start here, Jason, just brackets 101. What is the simplest strategy? If you could just help someone as quick as you can, the simplest strategy, the overarching strategy for what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to do when we fill out our bracket in a sophisticated way, what is brackets 101? I, 101, um, don't be as risky as most people think you should be. Just identify those top five to eight teams, isolate some you're going to get enough variation in how people pick the final eight, final four, just from among the favorites that you don't have to take big swings in most pools. Unless you're in like a huge contest, massive contest, 10,000 entries, 5,000 entries, whatever. Um, in most small pools that people play, be a little more conservative, look for small value edges, identify teams that are reasonable risks. The, uh, I think a huge mistake that people make is, oh, March Madness has a lot of upsets. I'm going to pick, all upsets. I, I, and yes, March Madness will have a ton of upsets. Identifying which upsets there will be is something that people are way overconfident in their skills at. I know we talked about this last year, but I used to do a thing in certain pools where I would just find the betting favorite for every single game or projected betting favorite for every single game and just take the favorite there and had a ton of success that way. It won't be every year, of course, but yeah, I mean, people are just being way too contrarian and out of control. I think One thing that we're trying to do at a high level is identify which teams have the best win probability and compare that to public pick data. And I know that sounds crazy and overly complicated. It's really relatively simple. Jack, what do you think about the whole conversation around contrarian to contrarian and figuring out win probability for these teams? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the name of the game. And and these days, there's a bunch of sources you can use to estimate win probability. There's I, I, maybe the best ones are on the sports books because they have the biggest liability against them. So you can compare the money lines, um, find which team's the favorite, but there's also public models like Ken Palm, team rankings, 538, all these sites have um, estimated win probabilities for teams. And then I play most of my brackets on ESPN. They make it super easy. They have a screen that shows uh, the exact percentage of public brackets that are um, picking each team to go to each round. So what you can really do is just, compare each team's win probability um or in this case maybe 
odds to win the championship and compare that to the percentage of teams uh, or the percentage of brackets that are picking them on ESPN. And then you can find teams that um, maybe are going under owned. It's similar to DFS in that concept and that we're looking for leverage um, and, and finding teams that are going to go under owned by the public. Yeah. I, I'm curious, Jason, where you think win probabilities are the best and where they come from. Cause I'm not a college basketball dude. I, I can't sit here and say, Oh, Duke's going to win. 60% of the time or 61% of the time I can look at round one and figure out win probability there based on the line. I can look at odds to win their region. I can look at odds to win the national championship, but I feel like there's a more sophisticated way somewhere along the line of figuring out win probability. How do you think about figuring out win probability or advanced probability, I guess, for each team? I mean, we, we, of course, are, we're going to look at market data for the betting markets for sure. Um, because sometimes the pools don't match up with that. Pools tend to be a little um, not as sharp. You get a lot of public people. You get people that just play pools, but they don't pay attention to betting lines. So you'll see some some massive edge differences in some teams. Where you're like the the public doesn't like that team, but the market's telling you that they're really good. Um, we we adjust our own. I mean, we'll look at Kim Pom. Kim Pom is going to be near the betting number, by the way. I mean, I think the betting markets take something like that into account. What Kim Palm doesn't do is his is just like, a, and our raw ratings don't look at injuries, don't look at recent form. They're just like, if it, so if there's a lineup change and in injury, you're probably going to see that more in markets on like the bigger popular teams because, you know, people are aware UCLA is missing a starter now, except for example. And so that's going to impact their market down a little bit from what you see on Kim Palm. Um, so you, you know, we take that and we look at lineup info. We have our own ratings that we do too internally where we adjust things on lineups, how some of these mid-majors do. Sometimes the markets aren't as sharp because they don't know those players as well. People don't have the news. So sometimes you get some mid-majors that have been on runs because they changed lineups, had injuries, and you can you can get an edge where you're like, that team's actually better than their raw numbers because they have a different lineup now. Yeah. Love that. Uh, yeah. And, and so I think step one for me when I'm making my bracket is get win probability I'm comfortable with, whether that's on uh, pool genius or team rankings or, or figuring out my own market data based on uh, betting lines or advanced rates, which we'll talk about here in a little bit when we get to the micro portion of this program. But yeah, figuring out win probability, I think it, for an advanced probability for each round is step number one. Step number two is comparing that to public pick. Yeah. Now I know ESPN releases this. I think Yahoo releases this also jason how accurate do you think those are and how would you go about projecting what our opponents are going to do say i'm in a pool with you know 100 of my buddies it might not line up exactly with what's on espn how do you think about figuring out what our opponents are going to do yeah i mean it's it's, it's both art and science right in your in your specific pool if you know actionable intel on how your pool will pick you should you should incorporate that um ESPN, I mean, they showed the ticker. They've got 4 million something entries already in as of this morning. But the thing about ESPN is they preload with favorites. And so some people may sign up and start filling a bracket, but it, they don't finish it. And so you're going to get too much skew towards some favorites early with ESPN data. You just got to keep that in mind if you're looking on Sunday night, Monday morning. It'll start moving toward where it'll end up, you know, by Wednesday. Uh, run your pool, which I know you guys partner with and which we, we have a relationship with has lots of good data. A lot of sharper players play at one year pool. So we incorporate some of that. We take from lots of sites, uh, cause we want to get kind of a 
the masses and the sites like run your pool and see where the data is going. Yeah, I, I like that for sure. Jack, from a process perspective, once you have win probability and once you have uh, market data, I, I, you it's easy to identify leverage in like really big spots. Like let's say only uh, 10% of pools are uh, picking X team to advance, but we have them advancing 50% of the time. That's really simple. Other times it's going to be close, like 15 versus 10 or 13 versus 10 or or 20 versus 10. How do you think about trying to leverage off in these spots in a pool? Yeah, so it kind of comes down to pool size um, because if you're in like a five-person pool, you can probably just pick Alabama or, or Houston, um, especially Houston right now. I mean, as, as Jason said, it's going to change, but right now Houston looks pretty under-owned uh, and Bama over-owned. But if you're in a, a bigger pool, then maybe you have to dig deeper and look for a team that, according to the numbers has like a, a three or 4% chance of winning it all or even lower, but they're only being picked in 1% of brackets. So how much you really need to, to push those, those contrarian plays and the leverage points kind of depends on pool size. Um, and that's, that's basically the name of the game. Yeah. I was thinking pool size and also payout structure, right? Jason, yep. like, you know, pool size is, is clearly very important. Uh, the, more you, the bigger the pool is, the more contrarian you need to be. Maybe you can expand on that a little bit. What are your cutoffs? for how contrarian you need to be in terms of pool size. But then also some of these pools pay like every cent to first, which is like for DFS yeah. people are, are, are well aware of. I obviously prefer the pools where I think second or third or fourth or whatever gets some more money, but there's a lot of pools out there where every cent goes to first. How would you adjust your strategy uh, for that, Jason? Yeah. I mean, with our customized picks, you can sign up for multiple brackets, input multiple brackets under the same subscription. Um, we would give you different advice if you were in, say, a 350-person pool, 350-entry pool, where it all went to first versus there were 20 payout spots. We would give you different risk advice. Um, so we are structured that way. I'll give you some examples of why that matters. Um, at, at a 1 in 350 chance, right, you may just want to roll like a, basically what's the equivalent of a better futures play than you can get in the betting market on somebody like a, an 8 seed that's got a 2% chance or 1.5% chance when you're when nobody else may pick them right that may that may be worth it you're just like i'm going to take that team it's my futures ticket in this pool but if you're getting 20 payout spots that's probably too risky right you want to be like if you got a realistic one percent two percent chance of getting in the money you don't want to be quite that risky and so there are differences i mean if you get to the extreme numbers just identifying that one value play that's really a long shot but is has better pot odds than then your chances of winning it going in are, are the way to go. Okay. Uh, I want to get to some micro stuff here. People, enough. They want actual teams. They want actual picks. Now, we're recording this Monday midday. Obviously, brackets came out mm, a little bit less than 24 hours ago. So some of this data is still kind of taking shape i, I want to start with uh odds to win it all last i checked houston was plus 550 so that implies they win around 15 percent of the time alabama plus 800 so it's kansas around 11 percent of the time ucla nine percent of the time jason how would you think about odds to win it all or should we be looking more at the region stats for the advance numbers and then generally what do you think about these teams at their current 
odds and uh, at their win probability versus public pick percentage on some of these favorites like Houston, Alabama, Kansas, UCLA, et cetera? Uh, I'm going to talk micro on these teams overall. The one seeds this year are not as dominant as one seeds in the past, in the recent past. Um, The relative difference between them and everybody else is a little lower. And that means, I mean, if you look like Alabama's the second and they're like plus 900, I believe in some of the books I looked at, which puts them at what? Just over 10%. If you want to take the juice out. Um, And so it's a lot tighter. And so you don't have like this, oh, 30% to win the title this year. You just don't. Um, Cause Houston at five fifty. Now it's also a one-way market, right? You can't, a lot of these, you can't bet not Houston. So there is some downside risk to Houston because Marcus Sasser was hurt in the semifinal. And I think he'll play. He's their point guard. He missed the final. They lost to Memphis, but we don't know that hundred percent. It was, it's like a muscle injury. Um, so there is some downside risk that probably the, those books don't have to change that number. They can leave it at 550 because, you know, if he plays, they, they want that number there. They don't have to. So I think there is some downside risk to Houston. I think there's risk with a lot of these teams, and I think it's a lot more narrow this year, which means you want to look at more value than you wouldn't say in a year where there's, oh, this team is a 40% to make the Final Four. Um And so I think there is a lot of those questions. The one seeds just aren't as uh, separated from everybody else in our numbers. Yeah, that's interesting. It feels more wide open to me as someone who's just kind of perusing from a really high bird's eye view. Jack, what do you think about the one seeds this year? And what do you think the right play is with them in pools? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I still think, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. If we're talking about bracket pools, I still think it kind of makes sense to still pick the one seeds um, to go pretty far because like we talked about, people tend to get overly contrarian, but I, I think it's pretty indisputable that especially compared to the last two years where it's kind of just been Gonzaga in the field or Gonzaga and Baylor in the field a couple of years ago. Um, it definitely feels like everyone is, is a whole lot closer this year and teams like Bama and Houston aren't nearly as good as those Gonzaga teams have been the past couple of years. What what do you think the public is doing or what do you think our opponents are doing, Jason? I, I know we have some initial pick data already. Are, is the public not on the one seeds this year, do you think? Uh, the public, is, so far in early data, Houston is somewhat of a value play at market odds. Um, I think that's because of recency, right? They just lost on Sunday right before the selection show. Um, Alabama looked good. They are the favorite. So those two are more similar in their market odds. but Alabama is the more popular. Now, at, at small pool sizes, you may want to go Alabama over Houston, stay with the public on one, and because t- Houston's a value to the final four, not just the final. And so you're getting value with Houston kind of all along the way. People are kind of hesitant on Houston, it seems like. They don't play in a power conference, uh, and they had the injury, and I think there's some hesitation there. So that's one to watch. Uh, most of the ones and twos are being – they always come at slightly negative value, which makes sense. You you've got to play just kind of like DFS. You got to play some some of the good plays, right? You got to you can't just play a bunch of contrarian plays. You've got to take some of those top seeds. Um, I do think teams like Duke, Connecticut that that have good market odds aren't as popular as you would think in the betting in the uh, pools versus how the betting market's treating those teams. You mentioned Duke. I, I saw some controversy about Duke seed. I didn't follow it at all. I feel like Duke is always. Uh, overseeded and this year people were like oh my god why is Duke 
uh, a five seed is I feel like Duke is always a really public team and people always pick them to go far. Any feel on that, Jason? So are they overseeded relative to how the committee's done it in the past? No, I don't think so. Based on how they kind of assess teams and, and view these quad wins and all that. Are they better than their raw numbers? Yes. And I think the market's moving there because they have talented freshmen, several of whom were hurt in November, several lineup shifts midseason. And now those young players are healthy and coming together. And so they've looked dominant. They've looked like a top 10, 15 team in the last month and a half. Kind of like how North Carolina looked down the stretch last year compared to what they looked like in December, November last year. So I understand why the market's moving on Duke. I think they got seated based on their full body of work correctly. Four or five was probably about where they should be. But power rating, they could be a top 10 team right now on talent. Got it. Yeah, that's super interesting for sure. I want to go region by region here to to end it and see what you guys think about some of this uh, more micro stuff in the region. Let's start with the West where it seems like it's really wide open. Kansas, UCLA, Gonzaga, UConn, advanced probability of the Final Four is not all that different there. Jack, any thoughts on the West here? Yeah, I think this is pretty clearly the the toughest region. Um, I mean, you've got Kansas as the one seed. UCLA rates really well in a lot of the metrics, but they lost arguably the best defender in the country in Jalen Clark. And then their center, Adem Bona, missed the Pac-12 uh, championship game with an injury. But I think he's expected back. And then Gonzaga has been just on a tear lately. And according to the advanced metrics, UConn and St. Mary's are also underseeded. So this is kind of the region of death. Um, I think Gonzaga could be pretty dangerous based on the recent form and the fact that UCLA is a bit dinged up at the moment. But really, I, I think any of those top three, four, even five teams, if you want to throw St. Mary's in there, um, could make a run to the final four. And it, it'll kind of just come down to ownership and pool size um, in terms of whether it's viable just to take Kansas all the way through or, or if you're going to want to um, take someone else. But this region is, is really just pretty stacked, in my opinion. Jason, any any feel for what our opponents are doing in the West? I think they are, first of all, this is definitely the toughest, as Jack said, this is the toughest. I would even throw TCU in there as a six. They had some injuries, but at full strength, they've looked dominant too at times. They they killed Kansas on the road when they had everybody. Um, So that top six is loaded. Um, I think what you're seeing is, of course, that Kansas is going to be popular. They were the national champ last year. Um, so you're going to this is probably a region where if you play a portfolio or you play multiple brackets, you're going to have different combos coming out of this, depending on your rules and where you think the, the value is. But it could be on Gonzaga. It could be on, uh, you know, Connecticut probably are the two value plays. But Kansas and UCLA are the one and two. So they don't have the tougher matchups right away. So, I mean, it, it's a balance. Do you do you play those one and twos or you take the value? I think you're going to see a combo, and it depends on your pool size. I think a lot of these make sense in different types of uh, pools and rules. Yeah, seems really wide open, and the pool would not have to be that big for me to get contrarian in the West because I think it's it's really wide open big time. Let's go to the South. I'll start with you here, Jason. Alabama is a big favorite in the South. I'm seeing something around plus 190 to make it to the Final Four. Arizona is also here. Baylor is also here. Yep. in the south any thoughts on this region jason and what also what do you think our opponents are doing so i think 
Alabama got a good draw because of these matchups. I think that Baylor is a vulnerable three. They're just not good defensively. They're very guard-oriented. Those kind of teams have sometimes burned people right away in the past. Uh, we've seen like teams like Iowa that were offensively skewed, Ohio State a couple years ago, teams like that. So Baylor's a concern. But that said, Alabama, because of that, is super popular. I mean, they're the most popular team to get to the Final Four. And so it depends, again, on pool size. You might want to be conservative with Alabama at smaller pool sizes, and you might want to be more contrarian because uh, nobody's none of these others really stand out. Arizona um, could make a run, have turnover issues at times. All these teams are vulnerable. This is probably, to me, the weakest region top to bottom, but, uh, you know, I think it depends. Alabama is going to be so popular because of this draw, and it balances out. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, betting markets are going to lead people to Arizona also in a big way. Jack, any thoughts on riding here? I'm sorry, on Alabama, riding here with Alabama or going more contrarian in this region? Uh, I think you're on mute, Jack. Um, sorry. Yeah, I, I think Alabama's a good call here. I'm not, I don't think really Arizona or Baylor are just in the same neighborhood as them. I do think if you're in like a huge pool, I don't think you need to do this um, in 99.9% .9 of pools, but I think Creighton is going to show as a really good value um, based on where a lot of sites have been power rated. They are, the, the thing is, the reason why you don't want to go with them um, that far unless you're in a huge pool is because they're only five point favorites in round one. So they could easily lose to North Carolina State in round one, but they do show as a top 15-ish team around the country and as Jason said Baylor's pretty vulnerable on defense and and relative to their seed line Creighton is way under seeded um, based on power rating okay let's go to the Midwest where Houston is a massive favorite even bigger than Alabama Jason you talked about how Houston is the most popular team again they're the most popular team to win it all i've seen around plus 120 to make it to the final four i believe texas is also in this region but not a lot of other resistance on paper at least strikes me as an interesting spot to go for a fade here considering how often i expect them to be picked but that could be crazy jason what do you think about the midwest houston's actually coming at a little bit of value in this region <sighs> Not in the early rounds, but by the sweet by the final four, they're not actually being overpicked right now. We'll see where that ends up. Um, Texas has played well lately. I don't think it's a great draw for Texas. A and M is a tough seven, and so all those things kind of add up. All those risk factors, like if you play a tougher seven, your chances of getting all the way through six games are just minimized a little more. And and if you're playing a bracket and you're trying to reduce risk, that's the risk with Texas is they start getting tough draws right away. Um, this one has, you know, I think it's, to me, it's probably Houston in most brackets. But if you play alternates, you might mix something else in. Uh, buddy, I'm not sure if you're aware when you mentioned Texas A&M, but they have a very, 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 very difficult round one matchup against, shout out, Penn State. Yeah, well, go yeah. ahead. Let me, let me, let me, uh, so A&M tough matchup and a, t and a tough stylistic matchup for Texas, I think, 
But Penn State's actually a good matchup for Texas A&M and a tough one for them. Penn State makes shots. Penn State defensive is great at defensive rebounding. A&M is, needs to get on the boards. They're like an athletic team, not, not super high efficient outside shooters, but athletic, get on the boards, play with energy. If Penn State, who is a really good defensive rebounding team, can keep A&M off the boards, that's a good matchup for Penn State. So I worry, yes, I worry Penn State is a, is a negative matchup for A&M. But then if AM advances, they're a negative matchup for Texas. So it's kind of a, like a it depends on how this bracket breaks. I, I've watched this Penn State team a few times just because I'm not really that into Penn State football. It's mostly a joke, but I actually really do like Penn State basketball. I was there when the Crispin brothers were there and Jesse Klein heard, and they went to the Elite Eight where they lost to Temple, actually beat North Carolina on their way to Elite Eight, one of the great moments in my Penn State. Uh, career if you can call it that and yeah i hope they make a run this year because they have yeah, this, an awesome, this is a awesome fun Penn state team i mean that whether the way they play they're fun to watch which you can't say about a lot of big 10 teams so that's um you know they're 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 on the big 10 scale they're definitely at the fun end of it love it jack any thoughts on this region here in the midwest which features the favorite houston yeah, um, as an Illinois fan, I just want to say I know all about Penn State this year. We're 0-3 uh, against Penn State. Jalen Pickett just went crazy um, in, in one of those games. But, yeah, I'm with Jason here on Houston right now, appearing under-owned. Um, I do think maybe we see them increase throughout the week. I was kind of surprised when I checked ESPN uh, ownership this morning and, and saw how low they were, so I think that could come up a little bit. But at the current numbers, I think it's pretty much – a no-brainer and and by pretty much all the advanced numbers they're pretty uh pretty undervalued and, and pretty clearly the best team in that region so as of now i think houston is, is who i'm going to be backing there uh, i Jason. also this is a region where some of those mid seeds if you're in an upset bonus pool become in play there's a lot of these teams like drake and uh if mississippi state advances to face iowa state teams like that if you're in an upset bonus pool some of those can make sense uh, especially if you have Houston coming out to take your chances in the early rounds of those kind of pools. Yeah, upset bonus pool is interesting. I know a lot of people play that format. I don't really play in too many of those formats, but I think it's pretty popular. Any like overarching strategy for people who are in those kind of bonus uh, for upset style pools, Jason? Yeah, I mean, we we customize advice based on the scoring structure. So like some of them are pretty wild. Seed pools are the are the wildest. I love playing those. Like you literally get their seed number. For, for if they win, like a 10 seed, you get like Penn State, you get 10 points. Well, in that kind of pool, man, you might want that team in the final four because if they hit, you win the pool. If nobody else had it, you just rack up the points. You're basically, uh, I mean, I want a pool like that with Loyola Chicago five years ago where I just, you know, I'm taking Loyola Chicago. Uh, nobody's picking them and, and, and they have to hit. Um, so, yeah, things get wild because if you're getting a ton of points and you're getting a 33, 35% win odds, that makes a lot of sense to, to take some wild swings because you don't have to hit nearly all of them. You just have to hit a couple. Yeah. Okay. Last region to cover here seems almost as balanced as the West, and that is the East, where Purdue is the number one seed and the favorite to make the final four. Marquette is also here. Tennessee is also here. I'll start with you here, Jack. What do you think about the East bracket and finding leverage there? Yeah, I think uh, it's it's a pretty – another tough region – I'm curious to see where Duke ends up at ownership wise, because like we talked about earlier, the past month, they've just been on 
an absolute tear. It's a, it's a completely different team than it was early in the season. And so while their full season numbers on some of these advanced metric sites um, might not jump off the page, they've been really, really good over the past month. Um, so they're one I'm interested in. I think this, I, I mean, you don't need to do this in, again, 99.9% of um, bracket pools, but I think Memphis is way better than an eight seed, but you know, they're probably losing either the first or second round getting Florida Atlantic. That's a tough nine seed and then Purdue in round two. So I think probably either Purdue um, or Duke is who I'm going to have in most pools. And in most pools, it's going to be Purdue just as the one seed Duke, I think is the contrarian play, but I think the bottom half of this bracket is maybe a little weaker. Marquette is probably aptly rated, maybe slightly overrated as a two seed. And then Kansas state is probably not as good. Um, as your average three seed. So that's pretty much where I'm at. And then I do think in this region, there's something to be said for Purdue just being like such an interesting matchup because you do kind of have to think about more than maybe anyone else in the country. Like how can a certain team guard seven foot four Zach Eady? Um, and there's not many guys like Memphis um, might struggle with, with him just because they don't have as much of like a true center on their roster. Jason, go ahead on this final region here featuring Purdue. Yeah, um, I'll just make some comments on Purdue. That, this doesn't may, mean don't pick them. I think the market's assessing them. But Purdue has had issues with teams that can force turnovers. Can, they, they've struggled late in games. Their guards are like freshmen and young guys. It, they're extreme team. Edie's dominant inside, and their guards don't always play great against pressure. And so – um, we saw teams like Rutgers, like um, Northwestern, who, pre who who can extend pressure, really give them problems. Memphis and Florida Atlantic are athletic, so that concerns me. But that's probably something I'm looking at more in the betting markets than necessarily a bracket, because I don't want to guess the wrong one, even if I want to pick an upset, right? I, I, Memphis, Florida Atlantic is like closer to a toss-up. Um, this region as a whole... Purdue has the highest advance odds because they're the one seed. They're going to, they're going to, they're a virtual lock in the first round. Um, that said, I think Duke and Marquette probably come up on the value front and narrow the gap. And so this is another one where you could see a mix of picks. Duke's even in play, depending on your pool size here. Uh, we've got them power rated just under Purdue as the second best team in this region. And they have two seven footers. So if you're talking about matching up with Edie, they actually do have height uh if this young team can not get knocked off right away to oral roberts and can get on a roll um like if, if you told me duke's in the sweet 16 i, I really like them but you know they got to get there they got the tougher draw than purdue to get there um so i do think there's those things are all in play purdue staying safe versus value on duke versus marquette coming out of the other side that people aren't necessarily all over now that we're talking through this, uh, you know, my mind is like, oh, Duke is going to be sneaky. We pick them to go to the final four. I, I feel like that's going to be what everyone thinks. And we see this in DFS. Like there's a lot of leveling that goes on where people are like, oh, this, this team's really sneaky or this guy's really sneaky. And the next thing you know, he, you open it up and he's 30% owned, right? Is there danger of that happening with Duke here, Jason? Right now we're not seeing that. Um, to get to the final four, they're dead on with, with the pick rate, which is actually decent. Um so basically, Purdue's twice, picked twice as often as them, but we've got Purdue at about one and a half times as likely to make it. So you're getting, you're narrowing the gap there. Um, Purdue's not like, or Duke's not like super popular. Okay. Uh, 
Purdue and Marquette are more popular relative to their win odds. All right. We've gone long enough without making an actual pick here. That people want actual picks. Jack, I'll start with you. We'll go, who do you think will win it? And then maybe a contrarian team that you would pick in a larger field pool to win it. Yeah, I'm going to take, I'll take Houston to win it. Um, I think with Sasser healthy, they're the best team in the country. And I think he will be healthy. He, he warmed up before the AAC championship. So I think, I don't know, maybe not first round, but I expect by the weekend, he should be basically good to go. Um, and then contrarian, I'm going to stick with Creighton. I don't think you need it in the vast, vast, vast majority of pools, but I do think they're underseeded. I do think the bottom half of the South is a little weaker. Um, Bama is a complete wagon, but I think maybe if they can get to the Elite Eight, um, you know, who knows what could happen. So I'll, I'll take Creighton as my super contrarian play. All right. Houston and Creighton for Jack. Jason will go with your most likely win, your pick to win, and then a contrarian pick to win. I mean, I'm, I'm with him. If I were just to pick one team um, to pick in a bracket of integrity, Houston would be my pick narrowly over Alabama. That actually may be a good combo. A lot of people don't like to pick one versus ones in the final. So in a small pool, you may get both the favorites and um, have an edge if you just pick the two favorites to match up instead of only one of them in the final. Uh, so I'm thinking Houston there. If we're talking below the top two seed lines, I'm looking at Duke and Connecticut as the value plays that actually aren't that popular with the general public, but are rising in the betting market. So I think sharp, if you're in a sharp pool, it's different. But if you're with just a bunch of buddies, I don't think people are all over Duke and UConn. And so those are the ones I'm looking at. And if I'm getting really crazy, I'm looking at things like who could be this year's North Carolina, a team like Arkansas, if they were to knock off defending champion Kansas, has a talented freshman, has athletes, but man, they could also lose right away. Um, so teams like that, like really deep sleepers. All right. I'm going to go Kansas to win and Penn State contrarian winner. Shout out Penn State. Return to glory for the program. We've said it. Jalen Pickett. You know, you got to have a guy who will take over games and he can do that. Exactly. Exactly. All right. We said it all here on March Madness. Again, one of the great weeks and few weeks of the year here, even if you don't like college basketball, it's so fun. And hopefully this gave you guys an idea of what you can do if thinking about brackets from a strategy perspective, from a more uh, macro perspective, from a more sophisticated level than just picking some teams. If you want more help with your bracket, go to poolgenius.com slash ETR. Again, that's poolgenius.com slash ETR. You get all the customizable stuff. That Jason was talking about. Check out all the details there. That, oh, I have to give Jason and Jack a chance to be on the social media machine. Jack, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter or anywhere else you can be found. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JackMiller02. You can find my writing uh, on Establish the Run. Um, so thanks for having me on and, and talking through all this. This was fun. Yes, Jack is our closet college basketball freak as I said, Jason, where can the people find you and your work? Uh, I'm at, at Jason Lisk. You can also just come to Team Rankings Pool Genius. Lots of articles, strategy articles, and videos. Um, and I'll say, if even if you're not brackets, we have survivor pools. We have Calcutta's. We have tools really that as well with, with under the same subscription. So if you 
like myself, love some NCAA survivor pool action where you get really crazy and can only use a team once, we also have something that will give you some advice there. Hmm. Interesting, interesting stuff. There's a whole world of college basketball out there I'm not even aware of. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. That's going to do it for this March Madness bracket pool edition of the show. We'll be back later this week or early next week to talk through everything that happens in NFL free agency with Silva. Hot stove is starting to cook in the NFL for sure. It's a shame that it's getting overshadowed or one is overshadowing the other. I wish they were separated a little bit, but March Madison free agency will be going on at the exact same time for Jack for Jason for producer Luke. I'm Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.